Welcome to the first episode of To Become a Dropout. In this episode, we sit down with Danielle Strachman, the co-founder and general partner of 1517 Fund, a venture capital fund that is dedicated to funding founders working outside of track institutions. To summarize, we cover topics such as how to navigate the decision of dropping out, redefining the dropout label, why college might not work out for everyone, and how to create an alternate career pathway outside of college. The big question, right, is finding that valuable opportunity to drop out for. Like when, when does it become worth it? How do you like analyze the opportunity cost, you know, drop out? Yeah, no, it's a really big question. And I think there's a, another question about drop out for what reason? Something where it's going to be different for everybody. Some people are going to be taking a gap year or a semester off or completely dropping out to do a startup. But for example, last week I talked to a 14-year-old who is dropping out of her 10th grade private school class to take a self-directed year. So she's not like dropping out educationally. She's still learning and she has a plan for all these things she wants to do, but she's just not going to do it in her normal school setting. And so I think one of the questions that people can think about a lot is, you know, what is it that you want to do with the time and the resources that you get back from not having to be in a more structured system? And so for some people, if that's a startup, it is really hard to have a startup and have it start growing and have to be bound to school at the same time. It's just a lot of time and energy. And the thing that I always tell people is that structured systems are probably not going anywhere. Like even the pandemic didn't change you know, school's stance on how expensive they are or how much time they think you should spend on them, which to me is ludicrous. But I think to most of us, we now see, oh, okay, I'm not paying to be with my peers and to have this experience and be in a dorm. And no, what you're paying for is a luxury good that has a brand attached to it and the ability to say that you are part of a scarce resource, you know, called... Harvard, called Stanford, and so on. And those institutions are not going anywhere. You know, I would like them to change a lot. I always tell people, you know, you don't have to label yourself anything. I think sometimes as adults, we get really trapped in labels. And so you don't have to say like, I'm a dropout. You can say, I'm taking a semester off. And it's like, okay, cool. What are you taking a semester off for? Oh, I want to do my startup. I want to learn in a self-directed way. You know, I'm going to help my family for a while. It could be any number of things. But you want to think about what you want to use the time for and you want to start thinking about how do you measure if your time was better spent in this new way. And so then from there, you can make another decision. Do you take another semester off? Do you take a year off? Do you fully embrace the dropout label and say, like, I'm not doing this? But the thing that I always talk to individuals and families about is that you can always make a different decision. If at some point you want to go back and be in a structured school environment, those will opportunities will always be there yeah like one thing one thing i did think about was just i kind of hate how dropout is kind of associated with just the act of leaving school like it's really focused on that and Mm -hmm. rather than the other Mm -hmm. half of it which is the opportunity that you left school for but you're going towards something yeah yeah so i i think like part of the podcast is just finding out that other part rather than the actual act of dropping so right. like kind of finding mm-hmm. that value and opportunity, what you're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be nice if there was some other phrase of what it meant. Because, yeah, the phrase is about leaving something and no longer doing it, which, you know, at least in American culture, you know, has kind of a I'm a quitter 
sort of vibe to it. And instead of it being about, I'm moving towards this thing that's really exciting and, you know, I want to help people or I want to make a difference or I want to teach myself things that I can't learn anywhere else. Like, that's a really exciting narrative, but dropout means you're a quitter of something that's important. Yeah, um, and especially in our Asian culture, mm. school is highly looked upon. Mm -hmm. And being mm -hmm. a dropout is basically failure. Well, and that's another thing I'll talk to people a lot, especially parents, is that parents will sometimes say, and I'll talk to a lot of parents who are immigrants, and they'll say, I moved to, you know, North America, you know, to have an opportunity for my child. And now they're, they don't want to go to school. And, and I'm like, listen, like opportunity looks very different. Like the opportunity to be able to start a business is extraordinary. The opportunity to be able to be a self-directed learner is also extraordinary. So don't think about it like that your child has given up on their future it's that they're creating something in their future that they're moving towards but it's not as structured as being able to say you know i'm in college i'm an investment banker i'm a doctor like it's like oh like you know most when you're little most little kids don't say i want to be a startup founder when i grow up but there's not like a path for that and i think it's just scary for people you know i think one thing that the pandemic has maybe hit home about for a lot of people is that this sense of that consistency and security is often illusory. It's like, oh, okay, like we think these structures stand. We think that we can just keep living the same way we live. And it showed us greatly that things have shaken up or things that people said weren't possible. Like, you know, employers years ago were like, we'll never be remote. Like, there's no way we're going to do this. And then it's like, surprise, everything's remote all the time. But thought, oh, guess what? We figured it out in two weeks. Like it wasn't actually that bad. You know, so I, I just think that people have to be thinking on their feet a lot. And like a, a great way to talk to parents about the opportunity is like what we were just talking about of like, what is their child going towards? Like instead of leaving. Right, just not just drop out, but drop into something exciting. Yeah, oh, that's great. I love that phrase. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, honestly, maybe perhaps we can just rebrand it to become a drop-in. I, 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 dropping into. Yeah, I think I, I think like drop-in is a nice term for it. One thing I want to do is go into architecture without actually getting the licensing or going through the seven plus yep. years of school. Yeah, and I'm thinking like drop-in sounds really good. Like I just learn it myself. I somehow credential myself. Yep. and just drop into the industry. Yeah, there's a great book I read probably when I was around your age, actually, that's called Zen and the Art of Making a Living. And it talks all about this. And when I when I was around your age, I wanted to go into education, but I didn't want to become like a credentialed teacher. And so this book very much advised the same thing of like, maybe you can do the thing you want to do, but you have to call it something different. So it's like, oh, okay, sure. I can't be a credentialed teacher, but I can be a tutor. And I can teach groups of homeschoolers and they don't care if I don't have an ed credential. And so I think that that thinking of like, yeah, how do you drop in to the field that you want to be in, but maybe do it in a creative way is something very much worth exploring. Right. Just trying to find paths, I guess, outside of the traditional track institutions where yep. they require many of the credentials. Some people who are listening to this podcast right now, they may have different goals. They may um, not be into tech. They may be into traditionally tracked credentialed careers. Maybe they want to be a lawyer. They want to be a doctor, regulated yep. industries. What would you say to these people who want to find a spot for them, a career for them outside of these track traditional industries? 
You know, it's interesting to think about. I would, again, I'm like, I, I make no referral code off this book, but Zen and the Art of Making a Living is really helpful in this regard. I guess what I would say about all these things is start abstracting what the work is. So it's like, okay, a doctor is someone who is a, you know, specific medical professional with a specific credential. But if you abstract what a doctor does, a doctor, you know, works to help keep people healthy. And so then if you're someone who wants to work with people to help keep them healthy, then if you ask yourself, well, what other ways can I do that? It's like, oh, you can become a nutrition consultant. You could become someone who teaches some sort of like fitness program. You know, if you are interested in things that kind of have a medical aspect to them, you know, but maybe aren't like as stringent as being a doctor, like what might that look like? Like, I don't know what the requirements are to become like an acupuncturist per se, but it's like, maybe you want to do that instead of going the four years of undergrad plus, you know, I don't know, six years of medical school plus residency. It's like, you know, maybe you want to do something different. So I think thinking about the work you want to do. And if you have it narrowed down to like, oh, I want to be a lawyer, then think about the abstraction of law of like, okay, well, I want to be if you know, there's many types of lawyers. So I'm just I'm just being really simple on this one. But it's like, you know, if you want to help advocate for people, you know, whether that's in court or like in business, are there other ways to do that? And it turns out there are ways to do that, like becoming a negotiator or a mediator. So there are different ways to approach, but I think the, the best first step is how do you abstract the thing that you think you want to be away from all the traipsings of what we put on it from a society and a credentialing standpoint to see like, wow, there's a lot of other possibilities here. Yeah, that kind of answers another question that we had about you know, kind of having a backup plan. So like mm-hmm. before you drop out of school, you want to have something that you can fall back on or like mm-hmm. something you can come back to, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, sometimes maybe you leave school, you can't exactly come back to the spot you left. Yep. And it kind of, yeah, like when you build on what you obstruct from what you want to do and you kind of already create a backup plan from that, right? Mm-hmm. You have alternatives to your original career. It may not be the exact same and you'll still have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And you'll gain a lot of experience from really anything that you do. And like I said, you know, school will always be there. If you need to reapply, that might be a thing. I, you know, for people who do end up going back into educational institutions, you know, you want to try to find a group that's friendly to whatever you did in your past. I also don't think school has to be the fallback. Like this is something that's coming to mind just in the moment is that there's probably something that needs to be worked out too of like, oh, well, if the worst case scenario is that this doesn't work out, I can go back to school. Or like you see this in times of economic downturn, people will often go back to school because there aren't as many jobs. But then the question is, are you really helping yourself in the long run? Because a lot of times people come out of academia not realizing that whatever they studied also is just low in the job market. So it doesn't matter really what's happening in the economy now. If they come out and can't find a job later, then they've just kind of delayed that pain. And so I kind of wonder about, you know, maybe maybe the fallback shouldn't always be considered school. Maybe the fallback should be like, what jobs can I get? right now like how can i be a productive member of society even thinking more deeply about the notion of the fallback and that we do tend to equate it with school might not be the like healthiest thinking yeah i think recently i've kind of talked with alex about just the importance of learning sales Mm -hmm. and like i I think that instead of going back to school 
during those times. Maybe you could learn sales or go and actually become a salesperson. I remember like reading in a book where someone would start by just becoming a salesperson, calling people and building yep. those skills, and it just transfers to every other career. It's funny you mention this because I was just um, talking to a program. They're they're not really a boot camp. They're called Ramped, and they are a sales educational program that also funnels people into jobs. But the first part of it is that people can just take their courses and learn. And then once they've learned, they can then apply to say like, hey, can I be part of this more formal program? Or, you know, might I be a good fit for uh, one of your partner employers? And it's great because what they're seeing is people who have never been in sales before are doing their courses and learning something. And then they're getting them you know, jobs that they never dreamed they could have. And so this is another thing too with with learning is that there's just a lot more programmatically in this space, whether it's boot camps or online learning, accelerators, like all this stuff that's just out there that anyone can do at any time. And I'm I'm actually hearing a lot from people who are even finishing college and then saying, hey, I finished college, you know, I loved learning philosophy. It was awesome. But now I need a skill that someone can point to and say, this person knows this skill. And now I'm enrolled in a boot camp. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it kind of blows my mind in a little bit of a hard way. Like you just spent four years in school and yeah. now you know you didn't learn what you needed to like live a fulfilling adult future. And so now you're in a boot camp. But these things don't have to be bad per se, but it, it's a bit baffling to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mentioning about boot camps, do you generally think... Maybe our society or some industries are becoming more trapped or less trapped because mm. these boot camps are in a way a form of the anti-institutional narrative where mm-hmm. anyone can learn anything on the internet, get a job very quickly. But at the same time, we see these you know huge tuition prices going up, and not more people are taking out huge loans to get degrees yeah. they think they need because yeah. they want to you know feel secure of their future. So yeah. these two things, how how do you think they play with one another? Well, one thing that I like about things like a boot camp model is oftentimes the boot camp is tied to employment. Schools never have to prove that their students get jobs, and they certainly don't have to prove that their students got jobs in the fields that they studied. No one at the end of a boot camp says like, "I had such an enriching experience and I learned about myself." They say, "I got a job, <laughs> I got a job at a place." that I didn't think I could get into, or I was able to increase my salary by $30,000 because I went from being more in, you know, something like restaurants or manual labor to learning how to code or learning how to design. Like you hear real substance. And I'm not saying that like, you know, self-development and learning for the sake of learning is bad because I love that stuff too. It's just that people pay a lot of money for it and it takes a lot of time. And you do learn about yourself from learning a skill. I mean, if I dug a ditch in my backyard, I would learn about my strength and my fortitude, even though I was only a shovel. Uh, I don't need to read Shakespeare necessarily to understand like some self-knowledge. But I, you know, I think schools are in a tough position because I do think there's going to be more pressure to say, well, what are the outcomes? You know, how do these people fare in society? Whereas on the boot camp side, 
you know, it is very much tied to that. I do worry about anything that's programmatic eventually becoming the thing that they didn't want to be. So I do worry about boot camps becoming like, but we're the most exclusive boot camp. So therefore, you know, our uh, income sharing agreement that's a bit predatory really isn't that bad. Like, (laughs) like, I do worry that sometimes we create the beast that we're trying to get away from. But that said, there's a lot more competition to be able to start a boot camp and get something going. And so I think that ideally the you know i i am a capitalist <laughs> ideally the market will keep things in check in that regard whereas with schools there's really nobody keeping them in check hey i hope you enjoyed our first episode you can subscribe to future episodes on spotify apple podcasts and google podcasts follow danielle on twitter at d strathman and you can also check out 1517's website at 1517fund.com. If you're working on something interesting, please let them know.